Welcome to episode 68 of the Two in the Authors podcast with me, David B. Lyons. And me, Robert Enright. And on today's show, David and I are going to take a deep dive into discovering how independent we truly are as self-proclaimed independent authors. We will also be answering a mailbag question about how we come up with ideas for our no- uh, novels, and that's all before established thriller author Phil Williams joins us from the east coast of the United States to face our infamous seven questions. But David, I have a question for you, uh-huh. and that has that is, how have the last seven days been? Aha. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, quite good, productive. It's coming towards the end of a month, so there's normally a lot of sort of dotting of I's and crossing of T's to be done in terms mm. of the business of being an independent author. So um, designing that newsletter, which comes out on the first of every month, uh, I've been, I was working on yesterday. I was getting my accounts done as well for the month that's just passed or is about to pass. Um, and doing the day job, which is getting some words on the page as well. I'm also, which 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 was kind of average, I'd say. I, I mean, I'm not finished. I wanted the first draft finished by the time I was talking to you today. I've got mm. um, to work on that today and tomorrow. I think I'll finish it, which is the end of this working week. And what else have I been doing with my business? I've been, oh, I've had a rejig of my website and sort of working on that a little bit. Uh, it's sort of, it was great when it came out my website about four years ago and it just dated a little. Yeah, so yeah. it's just having a little bit of a facelift and, 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 you know, I was checking links and they weren't working and stuff like that. So just giving, um, giving the, the website a polish, um, I've been working on and yeah, that's it. It's been an eclectic week, a little bit of everything. And I think that's normally the case on the last week of a month. Um, what about you, Rob? How have you got on over the past seven days? Well, I mean, as you very much know, and actually as our listeners know, if they're in our Facebook group, um, I had a bit of a nightmare with the post-edit of our last episode. Um, I won't go into too much details because it is boring, um, but there was a, um, we're, we're using a different platform today to record the to record the podcast because we've actually had for, I'd say a good few months now, David, um, continued issues with the platform we were using before um so a little a little peek behind the curtain for our listeners is you do most of the pre um organizing yeah. of the episodes and i do most of the post yes that's um, yeah so ended that's why the episode was late coming out mm-hmm. um because just cut a long story short they lost audio the platform they they lost some of the the recorded audio and obviously we had um damon courtney on the show he's a busy man um and obviously he lives in the states so we had to do different timings and things like that so it was just a bit of a stressful few days um so i did lose a couple of days this week hunting that down as you're aware i was um bullish (laughs) in my pursuit of it um but but since then um I've I've got some good writing done. 
Um, I feel like right. I'm kicking into gear with um, Jack Townsend. Oh, nice. I think I made the point that I was struggling to bring the characters back in. Yeah. Um, to, to, and I put it out on in the Facebook group now, some good good comments from people. And it wasn't that I think the books, it's boring bringing them back in. It's just there was this whole thing of, you know, Jack Townsend's a detective. He's married. He's got an eight-year-old daughter. What could have happened in the three months? If this is way more realistic than Sam Pope, who's been in car chases and gunfights in the last three months, this is what has he done in the last three months? Well, he's actually, you know, um, his wife started her job and she's doing pretty well in it. His kids made some new friends at the new school. Great. He's been working a case that he wanted to do something more exciting. That's fine. And I'm a talented enough writer. I'll pat myself on the back to make that enjoyable to read. But Joe, I mean, that's the the switch I've had to make. Is yeah, I've gone from you know Sam Pope's been taking down bad guys for the last three months to this guy's just living a normal life, working hard. So um, I've I've got over that hump, if that makes sense. Great. I feel like um, the first murders happened. It's you know the, the mystery's beginning to to form. You're getting into and, um, action, which is where you thrive. Yeah, they've just found the first body. They've realized that it's a murder, that type of thing. So it's, nice. it's, it's now starting to come into place. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, there was frustrations in the week, but it's ending on a very positive note. Now it's time for the main talking point, Rob, and I'm, I'm looking at you on the screen now on video. You're not just a pretty face. <laughs> there's, also, there's, there's a little bit of intellect in there. And you, you came to me with a um, a, a talking point uh, during the week about, you know, sort of trying to seduce how independent are we truly, given that we are sort mm. of relying on an awful lot of massive multi-billion dollar valued um, algorithms, right? Yeah. Of these great websites like Facebook and Amazon. So how independent are we truly? It's it's a great question. It's one I've pondered since um you asked it of me um a few days ago. But just to give some context into why we're gonna talk about this today, there's been there's been something in the news, hasn't there, that all in the authors should be aware of over the past seven days and, and, and it's been a bit of a, um a, a catalyst, isn't it, for this conversation, Rob? Yeah. So um, you're right. I did. I did pose this to you because I thought it was it was a really prominent thing to talk about. It was quite hot in a lot of indie author groups, uh, more mm-hmm. specifically for wide authors, um, which is I think is why I posed it to you in the first place, David, because you have recently gone wide with your books. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, um, there you obviously have uh, ACX, which is where you can upload your audiobooks to Amazon and to Audible. There's also a place called Findaway, which is essentially an aggregator for audiobooks. So think draft to digital, but for yeah. audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Now, also, um, Findaway uh, has links to BookBub, which obviously do the big book promotion things. And they have a sister arm of BookBub called Chirp, which does audiobook deals. So that's just a little bit of context for people there. I used to be on Findaway when I was wide with my audiobooks. Um, and I left for reasons, mainly because I didn't think they did an awful lot for me um, that I couldn't do through Amazon. Because they the, the 98% of my sales came through Audible. Um, and I wasn't 
going direct to them, so I was getting less of a um a royalty. Yeah. So that that was my personal experience. Did very very briefly there. So Find a Way was bought for I think for like over a hundred million, I believe, by oh, really? Spotify yeah. a year or so ago. And one of the first big red flags that came up here was they removed the author narrator marketplace. Now, for those um, who know, like who use Audible and stuff like that or ACX, basically what you could do is you could put your book up in this marketplace and author uh, narrators could audition. And then you could pick which one you wanted. They gave you their rate and you could pay. Um, there wasn't a royalty split option, but there was like you could do like a, a few payments to pay them. They got rid of that straight away. So right. Spotify removed the ability for people to find narrators for their audiobooks. So um, that was a bit of a red flag, I thought, because yeah. that was effectively they didn't want new audiobooks being created by narrators. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, let's go to what happened this past week, 14th of February, Valentine's Day, a romantic day, David. Nice. Um, new terms came out from find a way to do with spotify and i'm going to really paraphrase here so if someone's gone into this into the you know into the minutiae and i'm slightly off here i am sorry um i've done my own reading into this and my own understanding uh, basically these new terms came out that effectively said spotify had the right to use your content basically however the fuck they wanted excuse mm-hmm. my language um they could modify it they could use it for other projects they could use it for ai purposes but then they foolishly, now when you're reading this, it, it's all very wrapped up in the usual terms and conditions you know, jargon. jargon. Yeah. But then they foolishly use the term royalty free, right? And that, you know, you, you don't touch the royalties of an independent author, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's something you don't do. So this obviously got a massive backlash from the community. Um, although I'm not wide, I still am in all the wide groups I used to be in and all the audiobook groups because I have a number of audiobooks. And this was all over them. This was all over them. This was all the only post you could see was about these terms and conditions. And there was a massive backlash. Yeah. Um, and within a, within a day, Find A Way sent, and I'm obviously still apparently linked to Find A Way. So I got the email too. Um, and Find A Way essentially shat the bed with their um, response, basically almost blaming authors for not understanding the terms and conditions, which isn't the yeah. way to go about it. They've since gone back and they've sent out terms and new terms and conditions on the 16th of February with better terminology. And there's promises that they won't edit anything. But there is some wording around the license, meaning uh, around the license, meaning that they can use your content for systems and product ma- management and development, testing, training, etc. Now, yeah. there's two massive red flags and we'll get into the independence of authors about this is there's a lot of people a lot of indie authors in these groups saying since their books have gone onto spotify their royalties have exploded because it's almost like page reads you know it's it's how many streams of my book am i getting i don't know how it's working exactly it could be the every page every minute or whatever but people are saying their royalties have gone up and everyone's saying this is amazing blah blah blah. massive red flag there just remember how badly spotify gutted the independent music scene yeah right so i'm sure when spotify first came along and gave a platform to independent musicians they couldn't believe their luck that they were reaching these listeners and making money but you only have to look at like massive artists like 
I think Taylor Swift went to war with Spotify about her songs being you know, things like that. Yeah. Because Spotify isn't out there to make money for artists. It's there to make money off of artists. And the fact that they now got almost exclusivity rights to find away books um, is a big red flag because although yeah. the royalties might be good now, I can imagine there's going to be a gutting at some point. The other really big um, red flag was the removal of that author and narrator marketplace and the fact that they say that they want to use your con they will be using your content for development and testing and training um because they're already a step by removing that author narrator marketplace they're they've removed a step of being able to create new books spotify has incredible ai technology there's been talks around them wanting to make ai audio books and now effectively they will be feeding their system with hundreds, thousands, maybe even millions of audiobooks. Now they yeah. won't be using those, they'll be using those books to train their AI on how to make, you know, the most popular uh, thrillers, crime thrillers, romance books, and they can teach their AI how to make it. So eventually they'll be able to make their own books completely AI created, and people will listen to them just as much as they'll listen to others. And then suddenly those big royalties and all that stuff, they fall down the wayside. And I just think there's a big red flag here against Spotify and Findaway in general, which then leads back to this whole thing of Findaway was meant to be this fantastic system for authors to go wide with their audiobooks and be independent from Amazon. Yeah. And suddenly in this last week, it's it's been proven that they're now just part of a massive conglomerate that has no interest in looking after independent creators. So how independent are we as um, authors is a question we're going to talk about. Before we go into that, David, I know I've just waffled at you for a while there about Spotify Findaway. Well, what do you actually think about that? What's yeah, well, it, 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 it's very much reminds me what's happened over the past few days with this and, 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 and reading different accounts of the same terms and conditions. And it reminds me of what we've been through in the past year when it comes to screenwriting and actors. Um, you know, they, they were on strike for a long time. Hollywood shut down um, for most, uh, quite a, a lot of 2023 for a very similar reason. And it's that mm -hmm. we're fucking frightened of AI and what it can do and what it can produce. So suddenly actors, even the A-list actors in Hollywood, were finding that in their contracts and um, when they were signing to certain big streamers, particularly Amazon and Netflix, I'm not sure if I should mention that, um, that we'll probably have the lawyers on in this case. But um, yeah, they were afraid that Scarlett Johansson, just to take, um, an actress. She's the first one that popped into my head. I'm not sure why. I um, think why. <laughs> <laughs> but her voice and her face could be replicated, right? Um, with modern technology, and therefore, in the future, could a studio hire an AI Scarlett Johansson, therefore not having to pay the 15 million dollars that she mm -hmm. gets per movie? So that's similar. If, like you're saying, if Spotify is in is has 10,000 audiobooks uploaded to it over the next couple of months. That is an incredible um, squad where they can just, you know, pick, their algorithms can pick off certain voices, maybe even characters, perhaps even plot lines. We don't even know where mm -hmm. AI can go. And suddenly 
you know, robots are writing books and narrating books and our jobs become redundant. Yeah. So it's a very similar argument to what Hollywood has been through over the last week and that creatives, you and I are creative, screenwriters are creatives, actors are creative, producers are creatives. Will our jobs become more redundant if robots or algorithms can replicate what we can do? So, that, I mean, at the moment, what we're finding is that AI can't really replicate what we can do in terms of writing or acting because it doesn't have that, you know, human, human touch, emotion yeah. yet. But, mm. you know, it's only at the start of the text life. So it's, it's all going to get more and more sophisticated. Yeah, I agree. And I, I actually, I don't have a, ma- a massive worry about, oh, I'll be replaced by a machine. Um, yeah. I think by the time AI can write books the same way a human can, with the same kind of level of emotion, individual voice, all that stuff, I'll be long dead, I reckon, by then. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a long way for it to go before, yeah. before you, can, you can't distinguish between. I've done loads of tests on AI. Um, yeah. just to like to see if they could replicate my book like let's see what ai could actually do and within three sentences you can go this is fucking written by a machine like yeah. this, this is this is bad um and i'm not talking about my books before you say anything <laughs> um <laughs> but but that, that's it so, but i see that but the the issue there is is like you said is it's it's in the contract it's in there that yes. this is where Once these the big wording companies of those are contracts... to go yes exactly if that's the scary so, part so so that led me to this thing to you of like, well, one of the biggest like almost champions of being wide and being independent has, like I said earlier, shat the bed massively with this one. So so let's talk about like how independent are we as an independent? I thought, yeah, we're called the two indie authors. Yes. I'm an independent author. What does that mean? Because I'm not independent, if that makes sense. I'm independent in a way that I work for myself. I plan my own days. I plan whatever the hell I'm going to do, what I'm going to write. I don't have a, a publishing house telling me I can't write this or they're expecting this from me. Um, you know, I've even put out a message today on my Facebook because um, some people have been upset by the, the length of time till the next Sam Pope book. And I've said, well, it's because I want to write Jack Townsend, a couple of Jack Townsend books before I come back to Sam because that's my choice. That's, you know, whatever yeah. the hell I want to do. I'm independent in that way. Yes. But the idea that independent authors are, you know, we're free of any shackles is incorrect. Now, technically, I'm more shackled than you are because you've gone wide. But I actually see it as in I actually only have one shackle and you've now got a number of shackles because I am heavily reliant on Amazon. So we've been over my thing a couple of weeks ago when uh they they blocked one of my books yeah remember like and i was i was in a very bad way because i'm not independent yeah because they have the ability and the right to say to me we're stopping your book boom there you go done business knackered almost um luckily i was able to get that back but i mean for you as a wide author so i don't really think we need to go into what being um, independent with Amazon is because essentially I'm reliant on a their platform and b basically not pissing them off right that's that's my my biggest two things I need to do their platform can't go down which I doubt it will it's probably the most robust in the world um and two I don't want to piss them off like 
I, I apparently did with my content before that they could block a book. And we hear things of authors having profiles shut down and stuff like that. But then again, I am a bit of a slave to what happens if they turn around and say, we're going to go from a 70% royalty to a 60% royalty. Yeah. I lose yeah. money and I have no way of making it up. But for you, David, how do you feel independent wise? Because you're wide. But how independent do you feel? Yeah, I, I don't feel that independent. I do introduce myself as an independent author. And as you said, we, we have um, called the show Two in the Authors. And I guess we've learned so much in the year and a half that we've been doing this show that we've sort of come to a re- realization of are we truly independent? Um, and to strip it all back, we would be truly independent if we were writing books and then selling them, you know, at book stalls or through our own website. Then we're getting yeah. we're dealing with everything, right? But you know, the truth of the matter is, we're not going to sell many books that way. And whereas if we're on Amazon and our audience just has to click one button for it to download into their Kindle or for it, you know, to be popped into a brown cardboard mm-hmm. envelope and shipped to them next day delivery. Um, we need a, a massive big company, such well, they're the biggest company in the world, aren't they? Amazon. Um, yeah. So because the audience is already there for us. So they hold the audience that we want for our books. So it makes sense that we would sign some contractual agreements to have our books sold through the biggest market in the world. That makes sense. That's what you and I have done for the past four or five years and and how we've made a living since. But I mean, I don't feel more or I don't feel less um, or more independent than you because I'm wide. I I mean, we we have different models. I mean, all of your audio books you own the right to, I've signed contracts away and I've signed them off to big companies and my audio rights. So that's a bit different. Yes, all of your ebooks are with Amazon only, um, but that's for a really good reason because fifty percent of your income comes from the fact that you have that contract that you're only selling your books on Amazon. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I have now moved away from Amazon for my ebooks to all to you know Nook and Nook Barnes. But you're and still Audible. with them. You're just not exclusive. You're still on Amazon. Still on Amazon, just not exclusive. But yeah, I have I have not made up the revenue wide that I would have had with um, Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. Um, because even though it was dwindling, I still haven't made that up. But I, I haven't gone about being wide or uh, very professionally yet. Right. But I mean, that's, that's on you. <laughs> but, but that um, is on me, yeah. But, but, yeah. But, but, but I mean, like theoretically, and we look at, we strip it back and we, we're kind of, you know, looking at this, you know, asking the question, are we truly independent? Um, even if you, yeah, you are wide, you went through draft to digital, right? Yeah. Again, so there's an so, aggregator taking 10% of the sales of my books just so, to upload them to these wide platforms. So I'm in, like I said, I'm in these Facebook groups. Most people, are pretty, most people in the indie author world are really lovely. We've made that clear. You and I are really lovely. All of our guests are really lovely. You do yep. get a small section of the wide community that are quite smug about it. If you know what I mean? A little bit yeah. like, I'm not on Amazon anymore. <laughs> and you're like, well, okay, you're not on the biggest platform, the biggest book marketplace. Like, okay, like, good for you. Um, but yeah. they'll then I've say something seen, like... I've seen authors gloat about it. I'm not, I'm yeah. not selling my books on Amazon. I'm thinking, okay, mm, you're not selling your books then. <laughs> but um, even then, it's like someone going like, yeah, I'm on Apple. I'm like, Apple aren't great. Like, they're no. not a great company. Um, I mean, look... 
um kobo always seemed like a like a pretty nice company if i'm perfectly honest yeah but you know the other one is google is google a nice company like you hear horror stories about like their people working there and stuff like that so um but then even then if you're on like draft to digital like you said you're 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 then reliant on draft to digital draft to digital have rules they have things they told you off uploading books with the wrong links in it so then your books weren't available so how independent is it even if you're wide it doesn't mean you're independent it actually just means you're you're reliant on more places because like you said it's not your platform it's their platform yeah you're only Um, truly wide if you're selling your books yourself if you're packaging them into an envelope and posting them out or you know delivering that ebook link that's true independence exactly and and i think it's always worth noting like if you're thinking like oh i don't want to be exclusive with amazon and that's fine different reasons for being you know making these decisions mine is a purely fiscal one right i'm not shy of hard work you know this if i was to go wide i would go at it like as bullishly as i go at anything else however over 50 percent of my royalties come from page reads and because of that i also get kindle all-star bonuses each month yeah so for those who they are that's where you get paid extra from amazon if you have a certain number of page reads per month and because my page reads are through the roof at the moment i'm getting lovely bonuses that I, it's, and it's all you know it is it's all for them to say hey why would you leave do you know what i mean it is yeah. it's you know and it, it's 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 here we'll give you even we'll give you some more money to make sure you stay here and yeah, yeah it kind of closes the shop off a little bit but it's allowed me to build a business Absolutely. Um, but you know some of these other things i remember when i was wide i had issues with barnes and noble they didn't pay me for like eight months yeah do you know, and they ended up getting like a bailout from draft to digital so suddenly this platform that I had like 800 pounds or something that they needed to pay me. And at the time that 800 pounds was significant. Yeah. And I didn't get it for like months because they couldn't do it. But yeah. And I was sitting there going like, well, I get paid as, you know, I know the day I get paid by Amazon and here I am chasing, chasing someone at this other company trying to get the money. So you're so right. The, the more platforms and the more algorithms we need to run our business, the more likely we are to run into a headache or a problem. Um, that's a great point there that's a great point regarding the the independent side of it every single platform has its own algorithm yeah of what they show your customers um what the um the criteria is to be put in front of someone is it um the amount of clicks the amount of sales the amount of downloads the amount of reviews all these things every platform nook will have a uh, algorithm kobo will have an algorithm google will have an algorithm Amazon, oh yeah apple and yeah i'm only in one and i've kind of got a good idea now on how to manipulate the amazon algorithm, the algorithm. to make yeah. me i dominate my categories right we've been over yeah. this before i know how to do that now yeah. i would then need to learn a load of other ones but I, just because i'm wide i then be slave to five algorithms say as opposed yeah. to one and for on five more chances of something fucking up yeah you know it suddenly yeah it goes up 500 percent. but here's the thing then so if we if we strip it all back and we are truly independent and oh i'm selling my books from my own bedroom you know and buy a book on my website and i would ship it out to you right so there we go i'm thinking okay that's what i want to be i want to be truly independent and thinking well how the fuck am i going to get an audience Uh how can i reach an audience oh 
I need to buy into some algorithm here or some data here. So suddenly I'm going to Facebook going, I'm going to advertise on your system for my book so people can come to my website so I can send them out books. And then you're thinking, all right, is that enough then? And I'm going, oh, I really should be on the biggest um, distributor of books in the whole world. My book should be up there, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's where the audience is. So yes, you can do it all on your own independently, but where is your audience and how do you find your audience? Are you going to pin posters to the trees in your avenue, (laughs) in your estate and say, I've got a book for sale, visit theopenorder.com. So you need data and you need algorithms to assist you. But the more data and the more algorithms you use, the less independent you are being, but it's all, I guess you're independent in the sense that you choose what algorithms and what platforms you want to help run your business. But the more we use, the less independent we get and the more chance there are of something going wrong. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is, like I said, stripping it back, the only way to be independent would be you sell your books directly off your website. I, I, I breached this subject of what we were talking about with Soph um, literally right. yesterday, and she actually found it fascinating. Um, right. And when I, I stripped it back, I said, ultimately, what you'd want, this is the dream thing. You'd want a mailing list of 100,000 people, right? And even if only 50% of them bought your book, you'd still be making a couple hundred grand every time you sell a book. If you're, cause if you're selling it direct, you'd be getting a 95% royalty. If you're selling it for four quid, you're essentially making four pound a book. So if you got 50,000 sales at four pound, every time you launched a book, you'd be laughing. I was like, however, it doesn't, that, that would be true independence, right? Yeah. Because you own the customer data. They're buying it off your website. That is it. You, it's just yeah. your connection between you and them. Yeah. However, how do you get that audience? Well, you'd have to, like you said, you'd have to pay Facebook for their algorithm, their ad algorithm, right? Yeah, remember, you're looking for the data, aren't you? Yeah, you look, that's who, it. Who reads books and who has a Kindle? And, you know, we don't have that data. These big multi-billion pound platforms like Facebook and Amazon have those answers. They do. And that's the thing is, is okay, well, then you're not then truly independent because... I think over the years, both you and I, David, have had issues with our Facebook ads account, whether it's been suspended or ads have been taken down and we've had to speak to a meta professional and all that jazz. But then even then, okay, so you're using that thing. Most of the world in 2024, the world is accustomed to certain things. And one of those things is Amazon. So if I get an ad for something and I click the link and it takes me to uh, Amazon and I can go buy now and it's either on my Kindle then and there or it's going to be delivered in the next couple of days through their their, their, um, service, perfect. However, if it's click this link, take you to a website of someone I don't know, and then there's another four-step process of I pay for this and you're going to send me an email with a link. And I get some people will do it. We had Damon on last week talk brilliantly about BookFunnel. But again, that would be the true independence is having it that way. But how realistic is that in 2024? Because I don't know about you. I, would, I think I would struggle to get as many sales if people had to do it directly through my website. I don't think it's something you can get off the bat. And like you said, if we take the, the true independent authors that we know that are in our um, line of work, there's um, Brandon Sanderson, say at the top, the king, and Joanna Penn. So they love their independence. So what they do now is they are selling their books online. 
they're selling, I mean, signed copies for an extra, you know, eight pounds. And then I think even Joanna has gold leaf sort of designs on the covers, an extra eight pounds. So that makes sense. And they're doing Kickstarters as well. So they're getting thousands of pounds even before the book comes out in order to get the book out, and you know, sending people signed copies or whatever. And the benefits are that they paid. So they have independence to an extent, but they've mm-hmm. had to build the audience first in order to get there. So they have hundreds of thousands of fans. Certainly Brandon does. I mean, millions of fans. Brandon's such a, a big name. But he's had to build that through the platforms before he could go, okay, now I have the data. Yeah. I've built up, the, I have these million fans now. I have their email addresses. Now I can afford to go truly independent. But for the likes of you and I, Rob, where I, I, I liken me and you to sort of a bit like League Two professional footballers. You know, we have, <laughs> we have a few thousand fans. You know what I mean? We don't have yeah. tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of fans. So if we just took our 4,000 fans that we have, Rob, who are on our email list, say, to give a round number and said, right, I'm going to take these and be truly independent with these guys. It's just not enough. No, it's not enough. And the, the, the issue you'd have there is you wouldn't be able to build on it. That would be exactly. the biggest issue. Exactly. But ultimately, that's, that's, I think that's what drove this conversation is we look at what Spotify have done with the audiobook thing. And it was just a bit of a slap in the face to independent authors. But I guess it was a bit of a timely reminder, maybe, that although we talk about our independence, we work for ourselves, you know, we, we, you know, we have this freedom we are still kind of like a bit at the mercy of like massive companies. And like I said, unless we can build up hundreds of thousands of fans and get the data ourselves and just work with them, I just don't think that's ever really going to change. No, it's not really going to change. But one big benefit we do have is that if if we are authors who sign up with publishing companies, you know, they're going to have, oh, let's change this character. This character should be a boy. This, let's change this plot line. This should go in this direction. That should go that direction. Oh, this is the kind of book cover we want to go. And we're releasing it in May of 2026. What? Mm. You know, yeah. so we have true independence compared to a traditional author. But to sum it all up, really, I guess, we have the choice as independent authors of who we can lessen our independence with, what algorithms, what platforms. And we all just have to choose. And But once we understand that we're giving up some of our independence in order to give, to advertise on Facebook or in order to sell our books on Amazon, well, that's just the reality of modern day creative digital business. Back to normal this week, David, and we have a question in our mailbag. And... This week's question comes from Geraldine Hoffman. Um, And I guess this is one of the million dollar questions um, that authors get asked, which is, how do you guys come up with ideas for your stories? Ah, the million dollar question and the million time I've been asked it, because (laughs) it's not it's not just other authors who ask this question. This is the question, Rob, probably comes up to you when you're at dinner parties with friends and all that type of thing. And Marie is always, how do you come up with the idea for your story? So it's it's a sort of a well-worn answer that I give for this. And the truth, my answer is I've no fucking idea. (laughs) I've no idea. I think I've said on the show before that. the whole 
America trilogy popped into my head walking down the stairs. So that was within 10 seconds, three books, a whole plot line of an, and an arc of what will happen over three books into my head in 10 seconds. Now, there are other times where I could be stuck for plot, Rob. In, in a story, I started up trying to, oh, where am I going to take this character? And it could take me weeks to sort of iron that little crease out. Mm-hmm. And then other times, it's, it's just a free, my mind is just on fire with creativity. So I don't know. It's very stop-start, and the mind plays havoc uh, with yourself. I think the only tips I can really give to help a, another author come up with ideas is read lots of books. That's yeah. a, a given. You should be reading um, lots of books, particularly in the genre you want to write in. And you, you'll never copy or plagiarize, of course, but you might think, I often find I'm reading a book and think, oh, this plotline's going to go this way, and it doesn't. And you go, ah, so nobody's come up with that idea. Ding, ding, that's for me. Yeah, um, and watch lots of movies or TV shows in that genre, and and just get into the tone and the sort of pacing of it, and then you'll think, oh, I could do this, or I could do that, or if I was designing that character, this is what I do. And then you go, okay, there you go. There's something for you to go on and off your pop. So yeah, I could I can only really answer by be inspired by like minded uh, artists in the similar in the same genre. Yeah, I I echo that one because. I recently just finished watching Reacher season two, which was brilliant, by the way. And I even turned to Sophie and I was like, oh, I think I need to make Sam Pope a bit more brutal. Yeah, inspired. And, and I think I need to make the bad guys even worse. And I get told off for how nasty my bad guys are. But they're like, <laughs> in Reacher, I mean, the violence level was high. But I was like, they're, it's really brutal. And I was like, I actually hold back when I write because I actually think I don't want to make it too nasty that people yeah get a bit grossed out by it but i was like oh yeah no i could make i could make some bits a bit more and i was like inspired by it and we also started what i think it is it called criminal damage or criminal something with peter capaldi on apple tv oh that's a newish one yeah i haven't seen yeah we watched the first episode of it last night really good but i turned so i was like perfect time for me to start watching like a detective gritty detective thing while i'm writing jack townsend because Obviously, won't copy it, but I'll get inspired by Absolutely, by yeah. the way people act, by the tone of voice, by by the mood, by the pacing, things like that. So the inspiration bit you've just said massively key. Um, my answer to this question of how do you come up with ideas for your stories when I'm asked by someone like at a dinner party or by a friend or something like that, I just go, I don't know, I just got a fucked up head or something like that. Like I'll just say, I don't know, yeah. it's just in here. Um, I watch a lot of films. But if, I, if I'm being asked this by someone who maybe has an interest in writing a book or something like that, I can't really answer that question. Um, it sounds really like wanky and a bit mm, like up itself, but that's the talent bit of yeah. being an author. That is the talent, right? The creative that's mind, yeah. The creative mind. Um, yeah. Because things like working on your prose or your time management to you know be able to write consistently and effectively or how to flesh out characters things like that that can all be learned and improved upon the more you do it but the stories come from your imagination and they can be triggered by anything like you said you could be walking down the stairs and suddenly you just get triggered i i could literally walk i i i've i base an entire section of one of my books on a um, fire escape i saw off the side of a building because I was like, that'd be an awesome place for a fight scene. Great. Like that, you know, that's the thing. That's, I guess that's what I say. That's the talent side of it. You can 
um, flesh that out. You can build upon that like anything, like training any muscle. The more you come up with ideas, the better you'll be at doing it. But to pinpoint exactly how you come up with ideas beyond being inspired by anything else, it's it's a kind of a hard one to put your finger on. Okay, Rob, it is time for the seven questions and we have a great guest lined up to join us today. We have with us a best-selling author who has now published 25 titles, primarily in the thriller genre, though he does punch a lot of buttons in almost all of the subgenres in the thriller category. He brings a wealth of writing and publishing experience to the seven questions and was very kind enough to join us all the way from the East Coast of the United States of America. Let's welcome to the show, Phil. M. Williams. Phil, thank you so much for giving us your time this afternoon. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. No, it's absolutely our pleasure. Um, just for context for, for our listeners, could you, this, I mean, your books are vast, 25 amazing books, and I, I downloaded one today, Propaganda. Um, I want, it's, it's right up my alley. I used to teach Propaganda at a college. Oh, so, okay, um, great. I, I'll get on to you about that one. And um, But it's, it's really in the thriller genre is where you make your money, is that fair to say? Yeah, that's true. I, I actually, the, the nonfiction is, I do actually make some money with nonfiction, which it's easier to do Amazon ads, for example, with nonfiction. Yeah. Um, so surprisingly, even though I don't have a nonfiction, much of a nonfiction platform, because I only have a couple nonfiction books, they do sell. So, um, and mostly it's, that only happens because, hey, I'm really interested in this. So, you know, I, I go off yeah. on some tangent and write a book, but it's, that's yeah. not always, the, the money making strategy is more in the thriller genre for sure. But yeah, it's it's the, the more books you have in the thriller genre, obviously, the right. more you yeah. circulate that read through, which is, yeah, I've got one nonfiction book out and it does well at a certain point of the year, particularly at Christmas, because it's a okay. gift book, really. But, you know, once you sell that to somebody, I don't really have the back catalog to, you know, keep them reading through to, to separate books. That's all from, again, like you, uh, my thriller genre. But um, yeah, when did you start publishing just before we went to the seven questions? Is it? It was, I started writing like for the purpose of publishing in 2012. Um, but I didn't, I, I think my first book was out in maybe 2013. I'd have right. to look at somewhere in there. So it's, it's been about 12 years that I've really started to, to, to try. And, you know, obviously the first books are, are, you know, they're, they're, they're good enough to publish, but I guess technically I started in 2010, but I wrote some stuff that will never see the light of day because it was probably really bad. But, <laughs> I have one uh, of them, yeah. yeah. I tell you, I tell you what, I, I, I read like the first 10 chapters of the first book I self-published about 10 years ago now. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm def- it's definitely true. The more you write, the better you get. So yeah, for, yeah, for um, sure. You, you look at things and you go back and look at things. I actually read, not redid, but I kind of edited some stuff like midway through. I went back and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't leave this stuff up. The story's good, but it's like there's little things that you you pick up and you're like, you know, I, I can't imagine doing that now. So you yeah. fix the little things and put it back up or whatever. But yeah, um, maybe I might, I might I might do that to that book, because, again, the story is really good. But I think my dialogue and my prose is just so uh, <laughs> very clunky compared to what it is now. But like we said, the more you do it, the better you get. Uh, sure. Phil, you do have over a decade um, of experience in, in, in the publishing world. So I am certain your answers to our seven questions will be uh, information packed for our listeners. So I'm going to go uh, first with question number one. Are you ready? Sure, ready. 
Fantastic. We start off with the, the, the most positive question, which is, what is your favorite thing about being an indie author? Oh, th- definitely the freedom, right? The freedom to write whatever I want, whenever I want, and yeah. however I want, for sure. Mm. Absolutely. That's yeah. um, a really uh, common answer we get is uh, the freedom or the control. Um, yeah. like having no no uh, interference no fingers coming into your into the pie so um which maybe is a I, double-edged sword because <laughs> I, I i think about some of the things that i've published and it's like yeah probably a probably a good publisher would have reined me in and i would have sold more books you know but. <laughs> that's so true but we were just talking earlier in the podcast about having those publishers it can take them 18 months really you know from if, yeah. if they sign your book up to release and you're just thinking oh i could be earning so much from the sales of this right. book and right. in the meantime, so yeah, that autonomy or that control that you talk about is when we're ready, when we feel ready and we have the cover and the formatting and all is done for a book, it's it's all on us when we release, how we release, yeah. what's the lo- what the launch is like. So having right. control really is pivotal, especially uh, coming from me and Rob have had publishing deals in the past. I mean, they weren't great or prestigious right. or certainly weren't lucrative publishing deals, but when you when you have that control taken away from you you really notice it, it, it it's quite big and rob's right. always the positive one because he gets to ask your favorite uh thing about uh being an independent publisher i get the negative question which is what's your least favorite thing about being an indie um you guys probably re- you guys have probably been around Us. to remember to remember <laughs> when uh <laughs> to yeah. when indie authors were sort of uh i would say second class citizens in the publishing world yeah right? yep. it's like oh you know you, you people would People would sort of look down upon you. Oh, you self-published. That was always the the key. We, they wouldn't even say you're an indie pub. Like I like I prefer indie published. You know, um, but they'll say, yeah. oh, you're self-published. Like you're doing. You know, like you, like you don't have editors and you don't have the same um, quality that you would get from the trad published books. And yeah. and to be fair, I mean, it's not totally without some basis in uh, reality because there's a lot of stuff out there that maybe is not the best and. Um, but I think over the to- over the last decade, uh, I think the indie publishers have gotten really good. Like they've gotten the the game. Everybody stepped their game up, and it's getting harder and harder to draw readers. Partly because everybody's gotten there's so much more, uh, so many more good books out there. Um, but I think there's still a little bit of that stigma still exists, and I I think where I see it, and where it annoys me is that you see like certain certain like newsletters and thing paid newsletters that will be much more likely to approve a trad published book for for high cost sales on their newsletter than they ever would an indie published person uh or even or even the low price and free stuff um and then if you look at like uh like audible runs they run those deals all the time you know the buy one get one free deals you i very rarely see i see some big indie people in there but it's mostly trad stuff that's in there um and um you look at like if if you're talking pie in the sky dreams like if i wanted to have one of my books become a movie like we all want that that would be that would be awesome but the chances of that happening as an indie author not there are guys out there that have done it i'm not saying it's impossible but Mm. it's way more likely if you're if you're a penguin random house published author than if you're you know phil w books published author yeah so, i've had i've that's... had those conversations with my agent and production companies at tv studios and they are more likely to want to uh, make a book that's been published by a big house because all that ip belongs to the big publishing house so if right. anything goes wrong 
you know, they know they have the weight of that publishing house behind them, as opposed to us indies who have maybe, if we're lucky, a local lawyer or solicitor who we can call. Yeah. And they can put trust in the in the real That's a good estate. point. I never thought about that. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. That's how it was explained to me. Yeah. I do, I do also feel like um, it's something David and I have spoken about before, which is the more in, like you said, the, the better indie publishers are getting. Everyone's raising the game. We've got way more available to us now in regards yep. to cover designs, formatting, the, the access to the advertising, all that stuff. Like some of the biggest sellers on Amazon are indie authors. You look at people like LJ Ross or like Adam, yeah. Adam Croft and, and things like that, people like that. Um, the more indie authors kind of knock on the door and like start knocking it down a bit, the, I think the tighter the gatekeepers kind of become. So, so the people yeah. who make their money off of their selling these mailing lists will then be more exclusive to the publishers because the publishers want them to be more exclusive. And I think the the more we kind of push against it, the more they kind of tighten their grip. But again, it's just the the rise of independent anything, I think, is is growing because I definitely have noticed from 10 years of being, oh, you've published it yourself too. Oh, you publish your own books. That's pretty cool. That's kind yeah. of the, the perception shift. It's just that stigma. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but well, now it's seen as quite cool, as opposed right. to before it was almost seen as a bit desperate, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, I couldn't get a publishing deal, whereas now it's, I don't need one. And it's, yes. right. it's pretty cool. Right. It's a pretty cool way to look at it, I think. But even the publishers are changing with the with the marketplace, too, for example. And, and I actually just signed a publishing deal with uh, Athon Books. Um, right. which i which i'm excited about because the mm, right. it's not it's not like the old deals where they take a huge percentage of everything it's a much more equitable equitable deal and i think that's what's and that's one of the great things i think that the indies have done uh, and i still consider myself an indie because you know 25 of my books are are myself and i have one that's published that will be published uh, with with somebody mm. else but um the the difference is i think that they they ha- in order to be competitive to grab these authors they can't just say go to an indie author that's relatively that's doing well and say hey i'll give you 15% and they're like well why what are you doing yeah. for me what are you doing for yeah. me that i'm not doing for myself so the, yeah. so so the so the, the the great thing that indie authors have done i think for the marketplace is we've we've sort of shifted it and said well what can you do for us and if it's not good enough that's fine you're not going to you're not going to block us out of the market and say we can't publish f you will go and We'll go and yeah. publish ourselves. And what are you going to do about it? Nothing. I love it. Yeah, yeah. that's absolutely yeah. true. hundred percent. We should all pat ourselves on the back for that as well. Yeah, I yeah. agree. hundred percent. Agree. Yeah, with that. 100%. Absolutely. Well, um, what I'd like to do now is probably get a little bit more under the hood of uh, how okay. you write your books and how you kind of go about your business. So question number three is what is your writing routine? Well, I like to batch things. Um, so I don't write every day. Because right. I've, I found that I used to try to write every day because you, you, you know, you read different writing books and I say, oh, you should write every day. You know, I think I, I can't remember if Stephen King says that in on writing, but on writing is one of my favorite writing books. I yeah. think maybe he says he writes every day. I can't remember, though. But anyway, but I started out thinking, oh, I should write every day. And then I realized that. I have all these other things that I need to do and it's, I get way more pages done. If I say, okay, these four days a week, I'm going to write all day long and that's all I'm going to do these days. I'm going to do marketing and that's all I'm going to do these days. I'm mm-hmm. going to work on the farm. I have a small farm here. So these days I'm going to work oh, outside nice. on the farm, um, which is good. You know, sedentary lifestyle is not, not great to always be sitting in the chair, but, uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's but anyway, a- so I like to batch my writing. Um, and I'll usually, 
I'll put in, you know, 10 to 12 hours that day. Usually it's two to 3000 words. I'm not, I'm not that fast of a writer to be honest with you, but I try to, I'm kind of like, I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist, but the, but I usually the editing is not that much. It's not, a, mm-hmm. it's not like it's garbage that I'm putting out like quickly. Yeah. It's usually, it's fairly good. Um, and I, and I do a very, um, detailed plot outline. For example, the book I'm, the book I'm working on now is, it's probably going to be 60 to 70,000 words. And the outline was 25,000 words. Wow. So oh, wow. that gives you some idea of how the, how much detail I put into the outline. Um, yeah. And I like doing that because I feel like when I'm writing the outline, it's just very free flowing. Like the grammar's terrible. Like everything's bad. It's just like, you know, this guy's an a-hole and he does blah. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's, it's totally, um, it's very informal. And yeah. to me, it, it, it helps to kind of let the ideas come out. And then when, then what I do is I'll go through the, the plot outline over, I'll go through it a couple, a few times and I'll move things around, change things around and, and start thinking about, well, what if this happened or what if that happened or I'll start going yeah. through all the different possibilities. I'll even let it sit for a week or two and think about it. Um, and during that time, a lot of times I'll, I've got a little notepad next to my bed and um, a lot of times I'll be laying there and I'll think about it, you know, and then, I'll, Oh my God, I, I remember that. Oh, it should be this and not that. And I'll write the notes. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and I have like four or five like scribbled notes. My handwriting's terrible. So, so <laughs> usually I remember what it was, but yeah. Um, but no, uh, and that's, nighttime handwriting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'll, so I'll do a really detailed out- outline. I've got like, uh, and I do detailed character sheets too. So I'll so I'll come up with a, a name and like for example, let's say I want a middle aged woman. I'll go on Google and just type in middle aged woman, and I'll look through the images and say, oh, that she looks like who I'm thinking of in my I head. And I'll put a, yeah. and I'll put a picture of her on the profile. It's just random people. It doesn't matter. Um, and then I'll write a description. So that way the descriptions are, you know, consistent throughout the book. So mm-hmm. if I, so I can't remember, did she have blue eyes or brown? I mean, if I, so if I, I want to look at, back to that stuff and make sure that it's all consistent and then I'll write there, I'll write a background about them, you know, everything, you know, how they, how they talk, you know, um, where they came from, what their political affiliation is, if it's relevant, you know, all sorts of their family dynamics, um, all sorts of different things about them. That way, when I, um, and I tack them up on this cork board that's over, over top of my, uh, behind my laptop. And when I get to a situation where these two characters are interacting, I'll just look over and just make sure that I kind of understand how they talk and you know, yeah. what the, what the interaction might be. And then I'll, you know, start the scene or whatever, but, um, love it. Uh, so it's, uh, I, I usually listen to music while I write. Um, I don't know if you guys do that, but, yeah, um, and usually it's not even for the music. It's just kind of like, almost like, it's almost like white noise. I remember one time I, um, I actually had, I accidentally had a song on repeat and I had, the, and I didn't notice it was on repeat until 10 hours later. Um, so that same, wow. so that's how much it's like white noise for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't even, it took me 10 hours to recognize that the same song was playing over and over again. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, cool. that's, that's kind of my, that's kind of my process. I love it. That's a great answer to that question. So cork boards mm. and, uh, playlists and maybe even just one song over and over <laughs> again. But, um, it's very definitely to say, or to deduce from that field that you were definitely a plotter rather than a pantser when it comes to for writing. Sure. So, so when you're yeah, writing sure. your prose for the novel, you're not arriving at a blank page so that the, right. you're eliminating the opportunity of, um, writer's block and stuff like that. I love that. Yeah. Um, Great answer. Very, very uh, detailed answer there. Uh, question four then asks how you market your books, Phil. How, how are you going about that or how have you done it over the years? 
It's, it's a lot of it's, it's changed over the years, you know, I mean, it's marketing it, that marketing. It's, it's interesting because like the writing doesn't change, right? I mean, yeah. the, the craft doesn't change. We, we either write a good story. You don't write a good story. And you know, it's all the, all the different points of, you know, how you would put together a nice novel. Um, that stuff is the same. It hasn't changed at all, but marketing is constantly changing. And it's like, it's one of those things you have to keep up with. That's really annoying. Yeah. Um, but, um, so my mark, so my marketing has changed, you know, as I've tried to change with the marketplace and, um, so I'll do it. So I, I still do Amazon ads, although not, I used to do a lot of Amazon ads and I, and I'm not doing, I'm doing like 10% of what I was once doing because the cost per click is just too much. And, um, and I write a lot of standalone novels. So, and I think that I'm, I'm very unique in in the indie space because it's very hard to make money doing standalone novels because yeah. the way it works for most people doing pay-per-click ads is you've got a deep series with good read through and those people can, yeah. <laughs> those, are you doing standalone novels or you do a deep series? He's I'm, deep series. I've got a long series. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah, stand, so, standalone. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, okay. So you can, so Rob can, uh, can, can absorb dollar clicks possibly and make money on the back end. Mm -hmm. Whereas me, I can't, I can't do that. So the Robs of the world have, have pushed me out of the, out of the marketplace uh, for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's the game. It's not, there's, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not judging, but, uh, but that's the reality. So I've cut really back way back on the pay-per-click stuff. And I think you've got to be like, if, if you want to play in the pay per click game and really be successful, I think you got to be kind of like what Rob's doing where you have a, you know, a, a deep series and you market that first book and you get them into it and you, yeah. um, you know, push along that series. Through. Yeah. 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 Um, but, um, let's see. What I, other areas of, uh, marketing do you do? Uh, the other, I would say this, the most important thing for me is email list. Um, yeah. So I have a fairly large email list that I've been building up for a long, long, long time. And, um, I actually have a. I actually have been running a, a a group author promotion for probably about six years, um, and it's taken a long time. It, it, so basically, what we do is like every two months, we do we and we do an alternate uh, promotion where um, one one promotion will be uh, it'll be Amazon free or ninety nine cent type books, and then and then two months later we'll do the newsletters, um, and then we'll, we just alternate those back and forth. Oh, and, great. Um, so basically, I have a page on my website, which I've had to pay extra for hosting because we generate so much traffic. But uh, so I have a page on my website that's basically we everybody markets to their email list, sends them to the page, and then they can see everybody's stuff there and they can connect with people's newsletter or they can you know connect to Amazon to get the whatever the book is that they're interested in. And um, I think the, the biggest problem with, uh, and I've been running these group promotions for a really long time, and the biggest problem with with what I see of people trying to do these is they is there is like the tragedy of the commons, right? Where, where somebody maybe has a huge email list and they generate 3000 clicks to the page. And then you got the other guy who maybe, maybe they have a big email list or maybe they uh, just buried your, your promotion at the bottom of their email and they generated like 50 clicks. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the guy who's got 3000 clicks is like, you know, I I was doing my part, you know, I'm not going to continue to do my part if everybody else is doing, is going to do that. That's not yeah. fair to me. Um, so the biggest thing that I have to do as the, as the person who runs the promotion is to police the clicks. 
So we track all the clicks. Anybody who doesn't produce is gone. Um, mm. I, I'm not, not trying to be mean, but look, I have yeah. to protect the people, the people that have big email lists that are on this promotion that are contributing and the people with the most clicks get the top billing on the page. So in that, I track all the clicks. And if whoever, whoever was the top guy for the last time gets to be on the first and whoever's last is last. And the people who don't produce enough to kind of stay even in league with everybody, they just get cut. Um, and, Great, um, yeah. and over six years, you can imagine we've been, I've been able to whittle it down and cr- recruit more people. And, you know, we have a pretty good list of people now and, um, pretty, uh, pretty solid, uh, group of authors with great nice. books and that are good promoters. But, uh, but that's another big thing that I do along with, um, that's the other thing. Uh, of course, everybody applies to book bub. I'm, I'm certainly doing that. Although yeah. that's, that's not the same as it used to be. I, I love book bub, no, nothing against them, but it's just, people have thousands. And I've, I've heard from readers tell me they have a thousand books or more mm-hmm. on their e-readers. And, they, and I've had, I had a woman tell me, she's like, I could read every day for the next 20 years and I wouldn't finish yeah my, mm-hmm. my my books in my reader the list of so books they have yeah so it's just not it's just not a, a effective anymore uh or not it's not not it's not that it's not effective it's just not as effective um yeah yeah i am um, i i see bookbub now as a <clears throat> just a spike i don't see it as a game changer that it used to be yeah. i find yeah. um and and i'd imagine it's more effective for someone like me them for standalone people because right. I kind of I kind of cover the cost of a book bub on the day of the book bub because they're not cheap, but that covering the cost of the book bub on the day will equate to probably an eighty percent read through, and each one right. of those is I mean, I've got thirteen books in the series, so yeah. Although I spend, <clears throat> I think I've got one coming up soon. It's not for the US, so it's just UK and Australia and Canada. It probably cost me about three hundred dollars. I'll probably make. 300 over 300 pounds off of it easily i'll I'll easily make that so i'll cover the cost of it but over the of all those downloads i get from bookbub about 80 percent of them will probably go into the next book and that's where i'll make the money right as a as a kind of home run that bookbubs used to be yeah i agree they've um they they've definitely waned but i mean you've you've given us a really unique answer there with um the mailing list we've had this is episode 68 so we've spoken to 68 authors and that's oh, the wow. first time someone's got somewhere they're running this kind of marketing platform of author newsletter swap so it's a fascinating answer i'm going to move you on to question five which okay. is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset about indie publishing yeah this one's a real this one this one's really tough um because Part of me thinks that it was good that I knew nothing in the beginning because right. it's like I was hopeful and naive and that w- that was like if you told me, hey, Phil, you're not going to make any money until you write 10 books. I don't know that I would have written 10 books. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. that I would have had the the hope and the drive to kind of push through. It's like you write one book and then you're like, okay, well then I, I, I know I need to have more than one. It's in like, you get two, three, four. It's like, well, things still aren't happening. Well, they will five, six, seven, you know what I mean? And, and you just kind of have that hope and that naivety and it's just, uh, so that I think in a, in a, in a sense, it's good to not know anything, but I think like if I could go back in time and just teach myself something would be, um, which really wouldn't be that helpful now for me, but to learn the, to understand pay-per-click advertising before the deluge of competition from other authors. Yeah. So it's mm. like I had a brief moment 
where I did really well with pay-per-click advertising before the deluge. And it's like, wow, I would have liked to have had another couple of years of that. But um, yeah, anyway, but yeah, that's what I would probably do. Yeah, really good answer. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's when you say go back to the start, it's, it's 12 years for you now, isn't it really? So yeah. it's difficult to know. It's, it's The landscape has changed so much. Um, but be- bearing in mind that you have been 10 or 12 years publishing, um, question six might be an interesting answer from, from you, Phil. Could you name the one service that you've used over those years as an indie author that you cannot do without? One service. Uh, I would say, I would say my copy editor is still great something i really need yeah and i and i say i need it because every time i send her something and it comes back it's all marked up with all sorts of mistakes <laughs> so <laughs> even after however many books it's like you know i'm still making and it's not all mistakes it's you know better ways of format formulating sentences and whatnot yeah. mm-hmm. and you know making things easier to read or uh you know more engaging and um you know it's just it, it's it's a, it's very hard to do all this on your own and p- produce a good book without the help of like a, uh, you know, copy editors. I, I still use a, a structural, I, I, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm not going to use a structural editor anymore. Um, mm-hmm. uh, partly because of cost, but partly because I'm not getting quite the help that I used to get from that because this, my story structures are more sorted before she gets the, the stuff and her. Yeah, you're her, comfortable that you that, have that. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know that I need it as much as I used Mm. to, but Mm -hmm. um, anyway, but yeah, the copy editor is still pretty necessary. Cover artist would be the second thing, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with both. Both of them are absolute must-haves, especially like we say, we want to be indistinguishable from you know the big publishing houses. Um, Like everyone's upping their game, and to do that, you have to invest in making your book the most professional and thing it can be and to do that it needs to be properly edited and proper and have a you know a high quality cover that's almost like the bare minimum you should be you should be doing for your books um but i agree with you there like i i i there's things i don't care about when i'm writing and things like Mm -hmm. spelling and and things like that i i i don't i'm not precious about it um, because i have an editor i have proofreaders because like for you, they're, they're a must-have for me because my strength is getting it down. I'm in the zone, right. I'm writing away. Right. If there's mistakes in there, I'm paying people money to to, to, right. to kind of right. sift through it and yeah. do it. So I agree with you, an editor and a, and a cover designer, um, both absolutely crucial. But this has been um, a wonderful chat, Phil. Um, yes. You've given us some fascinating answers. Um, so there's only one question left, and that okay. is what if you could pass on one nugget of advice to our listeners, what would it be? Um, I, th- I think that it's, I think it's good to understand that there are tons of competition now. Like I don't even know how many millions of books are on Amazon at the moment and how many, million, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing how many and how many more are coming out every day. Yeah. It's just a, this, deluge that never stops and yeah. um mm-hmm. and i think that it, early on there was this emphasis on writing fast and getting all these books out and like hey we want to produce x number of books we need to get all this all these books and we want to produce you know a lot of these romance authors were doing a book every month and yeah. um and i think that uh i think i i think there's a benefit to having quantity obviously you have more little ambassadors out into the world trying to hook readers 
But um, if that ambassador is not quality, then that reader is never going to read any of your other books, which might be good. So I think that I think quality over quantity for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and I think never sw- sacrifice quality to publish quickly. I think That's it's a big mistake. Great advice, because as, as you were alluding to earlier, Phil, you, you need that sort of read through in order for your in order for your business to circulate you don't just want an audience coming and reading one book i know right. you and i have made a success of of standalone books but if the quality isn't there you might as well forget about it right. um, and there is no point and you need to be professional as you say and it's very telling um how professional you you take this because when we asked you what the best service is you use you said you need to have a great copy editor and you need to have great book covers because that is really what distinguishes you distinguishes us as professional authors we could talk to you all day you've given so much great insight um to our readers phil you're an absolute or oh, thank to our you. listeners uh you're a star do check out phil m williams uh on amazon what happened at the lake looks such an intriguing um book cover mysterious book cover with a, with a fantastic blurb all of your books have fantastic blurbs and um, i've already bought one today um so phil m williams thank you so much for giving us your time thanks david appreciate it rob thank you guys for having me on i appreciate it I mean, a huge thank you to Phil for joining us uh, all the way from the United States. Um, Mm -hmm. But as always, another wonderful author to speak to. um, Another wonderful set of answers, David. Yeah, I loved his insight. Um, sort of di- different avenues of thinking to me uh, make sense. That's why we invite guests on every week. It, it yeah. inspires you and I, Rob. And hopefully, um, which is the idea of the podcast, it inspires the listener. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea of the seven questions because yeah. uh, it would just be boring if it was just yours and my perspective. Um, so uh, if you are a in, if you are an independent author, or a hybrid author and you have um information to give or knowledge to impart by all means go to www.twoindieauthors.co.uk you can find the sign up form to join us on the show for the seven questions you can also find the form pinned to the top of our facebook group which people should definitely join anyway because the community is growing we've got some brilliant topics of conversation going on in there and um i believe david something exciting is going to be going in there soon yeah, I think we might ask our listeners to um, put a little ring on in their calendars for the date April 20 this year, which is about eight weeks from the, the time we're recording this uh, episode. Uh, Rob and I have sort of teased out before that we would like to build a community. Well, we're, we're looking to sort of perhaps maybe build that in person, maybe once a year with a little meetup. So just put a ring around April 20th. And how about we give them some more details perhaps next week on the show, Rob? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'd be very much looking forward to that, David. But yeah, me too. before um, I let you go, well, you got, you're going to finish a book this week, right? I, I will. I, I will finish it hopefully by the end of this walking week. And then next week, I will begin the sort of redrafting process, which I like and is, is quick. So, um, yeah, it can take me three months to write a novella but then only perhaps one or two days to do a, a second draft of it because you know the whole frame of it is down there you're just looking to sharpen sentences it's pretty much like a copy edit and um, sharpening sentences and um, give 
more definitive cliffhangers at the end of those chapters and, and develop your characters and, and, and particularly the character voice because I write in first person. So that's what the redrafting process does for me. But, you know, the, the bulk of the work is down there. So it's an easy uh, job when it comes to it. Um, and Nelson, I, I, I'm working on the website that I alluded to at the start of the show, which is, is going to be new and, and offer some services. And, and I want to get back into editing some books with some more. I want to walk, work with more in the author. So, um, yeah, I'll be announcing more of that, I think, in early March, there or thereabouts. Uh, so I'll be working on that over the next week. What have you got on over the next seven days? Um, I will just be doing writing, I think. Um, I'll do all my end-of-month stuff, um, send stuff off to my accountant, update my trackers, all that jazz, do a mm-hmm. review of my ads, which I do every month. Um, just to keep on top of them, turn any off, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll do all that stuff um, one morning. But the majority of my time I will be spending writing. I'm, I, like I said, I've kind of got over that little hump of the beginning of Jack Townsend. I'm getting into the meat of it now. So it's Great, time where it. I start turning up the pace a little bit and start making it. Uh, yeah, it kind of in the element. This is the perfect part. This is the best part of being a writer, right? So I think yeah. I'm just going to... Th- give as much time to that as possible over the next week so hopefully by the next time i speak to you i'll have significant progress into the book so yeah i will uh, okay. I'll tell you about it next week sounds good i'll see you then buddy cheers